blessed Father. Thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your loving kindnesses. Thank you for your word, which cleanses our soul, cleanses our flesh, that we might be presented before you, a glorious church. That we might observe and see the Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the patient Holy Spirit, the gentle Holy Spirit, whom you have sent to abide with us, leading us in the way, <clears throat> guiding us, and accomplishing the ministry of God within us. Thank you for his ministry, for the abundance of revelation and truth that he brings into our lives. Thank you that he's the ever-present companion, the ever-present help. <clears throat> Thank you once again for the opportunity to listen to your word, to be a vessel of divine transmissions. Thank you for what you reveal to us to the intent that we might be built up. That at once and last that the God of all comfort, the God of all peace, the God of all joy may deliver to us our inheritance among the saints in the light. that the building of your word may qualify us <clears throat> to share and partake in the divine nature, that we may live out our days fully pleasing you and learning your ways. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, hello once again. We were discussing on the subject of living in the Word, and we mentioned some few important points with regards to our line of thought that the men of God 
must be a product of the Word of God. It is the Word of God that makes <clears throat> the man of God. Our generation is deviating more and more from the tenets of the gospel. And we must remind ourselves from time to time that woo and cursed is the generation that will try to pervert and to bring another gospel which is not another gospel. Men, servants of God around the world are deviating because this generation has itching ears. So we find men and women of God leaving the pillar of truth, the word of God, and deceiving many of God's people. Instead of bringing glory to Jesus, they bring glory unto themselves, how anointed they are, how gifted they are. <clears throat> hey, see, I'm able to, forgetting that the gifts they express are not theirs. They were given to them as custodians, as stewards. And we see more and more of that deviation from the paths of truth. how they've become more opinionated instead of teaching God's people the word, instead of feeding the flock of God, instead of tending to the sheep of God of which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. <clears throat> and we must Be cautious, discerning the signs of the times. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, they are hypocrites because they could discern the signs of the skies, but they could not discern the signs of the times. And if, if we are sensitive enough, we are able to see what time is it in the spirit, in the calendar of God? And this is the time when men are deceiving and are being deceived. And one of the things, in fact, the first thing Jesus said when one of the disciples asked him, how shall we know the end of the time has come? And Jesus said, Take heed, beware that you do not be deceived. 
that will be the predominant current that would signal the end of the age is that deception will be rampant that man will deceive and will be deceived and now more than ever we must become lovers of truth lovers of the truth which is the word of god that lives and abide forever that is our calling as children of god to grow and develop in our communion with the word in our fellowship with the word of god and not to be carried around by every wind of doctrine by the cunningness and the craftiness of deceitful men you know david said thy she- thy truth is is my shield and butler his truth is a shield his truth is a shield and living in the word of god is the most protected place to be in in these times so i said to us that we should pursue the ideals laid down to us by the lord by his apostles jude said to contend to earnestly contend for the faith which was laid down for us convictions that the patriarchs and the apostles of old carried about the lord about his commandments about his word and to see that we are not carried around by every wind of doctrine every wind of doctrine there is no stability in the wind and the bible tells us that he that does not teach profess and confess the doctrine of christ he said we should make no friendship with them because the doctrine of christ should be the standard of the body of christ living in the word i want to share some few thoughts in conjunction to what we shared last night if you could turn your bibles to the book of joshua 
chapter 1. And we will read from verse 1 and analyze this discord between God, this cause between God and the newly appointed leader of Israel. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land that I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Now this is the voice of God communicating new instructions to the now appointed leader of Israel, Joshua. Moses had died and he was now replaced by Joshua and God's word is coming to him. And this speaks to the fact that it would have been difficult, if not impossible, for Joshua to carry out this work of leadership without the direction and the commission of the voice of God. In other words, we should never try to do anything, proceed in a direction that is not commissioned by 
the word of God, by the spoken word of God. Because it is that spoken word that gives specific and relevant instructions, detailed instructions that is tailored to our lives. You see, this is where the the written and the spoken word of God differ. The spoken word of God has to do with God's details, God's specific and personal details that involved or involves a person, a person's destiny, or it may be to a people. But what is significant is that that word is the current voice of God for that specific individual, people, nation. That is not necessarily found in the written word. Now, does that mean that the written word has no significance? Absolutely not. Because God uses the written word to train us to hear and articulate the spoken word. Now, this encounter portrays beautifully the communication or the relevance of how God wants us to function, to operate in life, in our careers, in our callings. He speaks to Moses, I mean to Joshua, and Joshua can hear him. He can hear him. And God is handing out all these instructions to him. about the next plan of action, what he should be doing next. And he's telling him how if he follows the patterns, the instructions that he lays out to him, that he will prosper in the way that he should go. And he begins making these promises and instructions, promises and instructions. So the voice of God is there to give us Specific instructions, specific promises. It is the revelation or the uncovering of our lives that will come through the spoken word. God 
is talking and he's giving these promises and instructions. And then he says something remarkable. In verse 8, he said, This book of the law. Now, it probably might be that when the Lord was talking to Joshua, the book of the law was before him. Because God is referring to a specific book that Joshua probably could see. And the Lord is saying, the Lord is saying, this book, he is hearing a voice talking about a book. He is hearing, listening to the voice of God referring him to a book. Now one may suppose or assume that since God was talking to Joshua, why does he not refer to his voice as a point of reference as he did at other times? When he told the people of Israel, if you hear my voice, if you hear my voice, listen to my voice, listen to my voice, you will prosper, this will be blessed and this will happen. But he makes reference to the book. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It is a command to the new leader of Israel. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It shall not cease from being in your mouth. It shall not be removed from your tongue. He says, but you shall meditate. This is the first time in the Bible that God uses the word meditate. It's not the first time that meditation is mentioned in the Bible, but it is the first time that the Lord utilizes this specific word, meditate. Because up until this point, the word meditate in the Bible meant something different. Like when the Bible says that Isaac went out into the field to meditate. But this specific word is different from that word. And it is used by God for the first time in the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate what God is teaching Joshua how to handle the word God is teaching Joshua how to handle the book of the law he is training him 
how to use the word. He didn't say, you shall read it. He mentioned a specific word of action. He said, you shall meditate in it. The word meditate in it is the Hebrew word Hagar. Six times is translated as meditate, four times as mourn, four times as speak, two times as imagine, two times as study, two times as mutter, two times as utter, one time as roaring, one time as saw, and one time as talk. There is no mention of reading. So he says, how you handle the word will determine how much success and prosperity will be a consequence in your life. God doesn't say to Joshua that he must read the book of the law. We read other books but we meditate on the word of God. The results, the effects, the impact of the word of God is not derived from reading it. That's why there are people who read the Bible, but there's no change. The impact is not seen. The impact of the word of God is seen only in what God said, in meditation, in haggaring the word, in muttering the word, in speaking the word, in imagining the word. And all those activities uh, uh, stimulate all the different dimensions of man, spirit, soul, and body must be engaged in handling the word of God. God says to Joshua, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That means if, if Joshua only meditated in it in the day he'd only experience half the results because the full or complete results are only guaranteed according to what God said you know sometimes sometimes we think that in God talking that sometimes he, he means something different from what he has told us Someone may read this and say, you shall meditate in it day and night and think and conclude that, all right, that means I should just, from day to night, I should just meditate the word. Some may look at it and say, as long as I meditated on the word that day, that's not what God is saying. What constitutes a day, according to God, is evening and morning. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So God was telling Joshua, 
that there has to be time allocated in the day and in the night for haggering on the word for meditation on the word that there has to be a ritual a daily ritual around meditation of the word that is to say that he should schedule this is when when we come into the intentionality of communing with the word how intentional are you in in communing in engaging with the word and god is teaching joshua just that how to be intentional through scheduling through time allocation time blocking at specific times during the day and the night to meditate now this is a man who is hearing the voice of god <laughs> This is a man who is hearing God talk to him and God is teaching him how to build a system of success around meditation of the word of God the book of the law that means at specific times of the day Joshua should find a quiet place open the book of the law and begin haggling it begin muttering it begin talking it be begin imagining it and god says the purpose is so that you may observe to do you may observe in other words he may be a keeper a watcher of that which has been written has been written he says that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it i told you all that all that is written in it this is what for me has sealed the importance and the weightiness of the written word of god because god is telling joshua to observe to meditate for the purpose of observation of keeping that which is written that which is written because that which is written is what will lead us to success what will lead us to prosperity he says then you will make your way you will make your god never said i he never said to moses i will make to joshua i will make your way he says you will make your way you will make your way prosperous hallelujah hallelujah the hebrew word there salah suggests that you will break out mightily into prosperity in other words there will be a breakout of the goodness of god in your life there will be a breakout of the prosperity of god in your life when you meditate on the written word hallelujah 
says, and then you will have good success. He, he's referring to sagacity. He's referring to wisdom. And our translation, you will deal wisely in the affairs of life. He's referring to, to, to understanding how you will be skillful in life. And all this comes through meditation. One great man of God whom has greatly, whose ministry has greatly impacted my own personal life. In one of his books said that he, he, he used to travel. He was a traveling evangelist. So he'd hold revivals, what they'd call um, uh, in those times. But he would hold services at different locations in different churches for weeks and months at a time. So every single day there would be two services, one in the morning, one in the evening. And he would, you know, utilize the time in between to spend praying and praying and praying. So he says one morning, especially throughout that week, he, he was praying and he found that, you know, he was becoming, growing more tired because he would preach in the morning and then go back to his uh, room and then he would spend time praying and praying and praying. And then by the time he got to the evening service, his voice would be worn out and stuff. So after one prayer session, he's, he's, he's resting and just, you know, was, he, he was lying down and with his Bible open. He said he saw Jesus at the foot of his bed. And the Lord said to him, instead of you wearing out yourself, praying all day long, I would rather that you lie on your bed and meditate on my word. He said that was very shocking to him because up until that time, he had never heard anybody talk about meditation. This was in the... Uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, around those times. Uh, yeah, I think it was around those times. And he had never heard anybody. And the first time he heard about meditation was from Jesus. And he asked the Lord, Lord, what do you mean? He said, I would rather that you lie down and meditate on my word than spend all this time hollering and tiring, wearing yourself out praying. This is Jesus saying that. Wearing yourself out praying. And then Jesus gave him scriptures that spoke about meditation. And one of those was Joshua. And the Lord explained to him how to do it. And he said, he started doing that. And he noticed that there were more manifestations of the spirit, the presence, the power of God. And he personally when further meditating spiritually, had most of his greatest services after periods of meditation on the word because he would just lie down on his bed and just meditate on the word for hours on end. And the spiritual progression and manifestation of the spirit experienced in his life and ministry 
He says, we're incomparable. They were incomparable. And, and up till the time that the Lord spoke to him, he'd been in ministry for years. The simplicity of God's communication sometimes is, is hubbard by our souls because we reckon it's just too simple, too petty for it to carry potency, to carry power. But you must remember who is telling us to do this thing and who was telling Joshua to engage in this method of handling the word. It was God himself. It was God himself. And this is how my book Hagar was born. Because I realized that this is the ancient secret that God taught to man for prosperity and success. And, and that's how my book, Hagar, was born. Over 300 pages of topical meditation in the Word. And I can tell you from personal experience that most things in my spiritual walk, most dimensions in God in my spiritual work has been activated through this activity. Meditation on the Word. For me, it has brought clarity about the reality of the Spirit, the realities of God, and more importantly, the voice of God. I am greatly indebted to the Spirit of God for opening up this understanding Because the greatest treasure in my life is the voice, is the word of God, is the voice of God. And this is how I began my journey. Living in the word. The word is my nesting place. The word is my resting place. There is no safer home for me than the Word of God. And how kind and gracious the Lord is to teach us through these encounters that man had with Him. But not only how important His voice is, but how equally important his written word is. 
And years later, David caught it. He caught it. He caught it. Just the man whose delight is in the book, the law of the Lord. He says, this is the man that will prosper. The man who meditates in it day and night. So much so, if you, in, in most of his writing, David said, he woke up in the night watches that we may meditate upon his law. Meditation is how you will begin to learn what it is and what it means to live with and in the word of God. For then you will make your way prosperous. What does your way look like now? Is it prosperous? Or is it an unpleasant way? Is it an unpleasant path? Do you have wisdom necessary to deal with the affairs of your life? Beloved child of God, do what God taught Joshua. Do what God taught Joshua. Begin the ritual of meditation in your life. Allocate specific times in the day and lock yourself. Whether in the morning, in the morning and in the evening. Or sometime during the day and in the evening. And be alone with the word, with the written word of God. With the written word of God. Open it up. Open it up. Doesn't matter where. And sometimes it helps utilizing specific context that deals with where you are in life. You can get one of my books on meditation. Haga. I would prefer Haga. Or the words of Jesus. You can open the Gospels. And tell yourself. You can, you can start by setting a timer. Because you are trying to be intentional. You are trying to integrate the system into your life. You can set an, an hour timer. You can set a two hour timer. Depends. Right? It depends. And then you shut off your phone. And then you begin huggering. You begin meditating on the word. You begin meditating on the word. You begin meditating. Soon enough, you will meet prosperity. Soon enough, you will meet and possess sagacity. Yes. Leave in the word. Well, I trust and I hope you found this teaching helpful and blessed. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.